0: um, of our four, first four episodes, which yep. is awesome. We've we've done it so far. Uh, About to get it, if you haven't gone and listened to episode one, two, and three, this probably won't make too much sense. So we strongly encourage you to do so. Yeah, it kind of builds. At least these first yeah. few do. Kind For of cool. sure. Yeah. It's kinda of like a movie series right now. You're not gonna understand the story at all if you start at four. Yeah. Unless you wanna be weird like Star Wars and start from one yeah, spot into the other one and the other one. This is gonna sound
1: like blasphemy right off the bat, but I hate Star Wars, so I don't well, like it either. I'm hoping that only four the four people of you listening don't like Star Wars either, so it'll be okay.
0: Uh I bet we actually we, we're
1: at six now, aren't we? Because we paid two people from Europe. After saying
0: now, we're at one. So we're (laughs) glad you're sticking around.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I just messed them up with the Star Wars thing because everybody loves Star Wars. I don't really understand that. But yeah, that's where we're at. We're in week four. And look, you may hear, uh, and I'm hoping that you do because we're going to send a prize out to whoever can solve this mystery for us. There is a weird vibration that happens in this room. Um, We think it's behind a wall and it happens uh, on some sort of schedule. So it's going to probably end up happening in here during this episode at some point. So if you hear it, uh, we want you to tell us what it is, and so if you can figure it out, we'll send you a prize or something. It's the Messy Walk Podcast. We just we send you some like dirty used boots or something. But anyway, um, we want to know because I'm determined to figure out what this thing is for two reasons. One, when I don't know something, I have to figure it out. I don't know if you're like that, but but I am. I have to know it, and so i got to know what it is. It's like back in the day before Google, when a song would come on the radio, um. I would have to think about it for forever to figure out the name of that song or ask somebody or whatever. Now you could just Google it, but I have to know what it is. That's the first reason. And the second reason is, is if it's like, cause it sounds like the vibrations of a cell phone. And so if it is a cell phone behind the wall, then it has the greatest battery that has ever been made in the history of mankind. And I would like to own it because it has been running now for (laughs) forever. So yeah, if you can help us figure out what it is, we'll send you a prize. You may hear it during this episode. I don't know. We
0: will, we will go find the item and send it to you. Yes. Yeah. You can have, you can have that phone.
1: You can have it (laughs) and it'll still be working because apparently it never stops.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So last episode we were, we were talking about Adam's, uh, early call as a Christian and to the Christian life, um, its early struggles and an intro to how you're called to ministry started yeah. to, um, which is a again, if you haven't gone and listened episode three, that's a very exciting story. It involves his dad um, being lost and paralyzation. Yeah, it's and, crazy. It's probably yeah. my
1: favorite story to tell. It's a, it's one of the craziest things that's ever happened to me and my family, and it's just a cool cool story that that's how I got called into ministry. So if you missed it. Go back and take a look at it. Definitely it's listen to it. There you go. Super
0: interesting. Um, but this episode we're gonna be getting more into your early marriage, your call into ministry and what did that look like in a you know, early uh, what was it, pastoral way? Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, the, the the question that you had on the paper, Graham, as we were kind of thinking through going into this episode of what it would look like, and we just so you guys know, this is very 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 unscripted. And so when I say you know piece of paper, I mean it literally has one question on it. So it's not like a full scripted thing. It's just this. Here's kind of where we want to go. Here's an idea. And the question was, um, why is my walk still messy if I got saved at an early age and got called into ministry at you know 19 and a half, 20 years old? married man at that point and been in the ministry since then why is my walk still messy um and it didn't take me very much to think about the answer to this question um to me the answer is because it's always been like that uh, and it always will be like that i think there's this false idea that the the walk with jesus is just going to somehow another turn into this thing where you are Messing up less and less And so it becomes less and less messy And I don't really think that's the case I think that the reason it's still messy now um, You know, 20 years later Into into ministry Much longer than that Into being a Christian and a Christ follower Is because it's always been like that And it's always going to be like that the, uh, the authentic Christian walk Is always messy um, It You know, it of course Involves a perfect Savior But then it involves him saving us and there is a battle that happens in our hearts and souls of old man versus new man old woman versus new woman right new creation versus the old creation that's happening there's a battle going on and we still live in this fallen world and there's still all this mess around us and we still are sinful and you know the process of being sanctified of being you know increasingly um, made made perfect in the image of Jesus does not happen until he returns and so it's going to be a messy walk and an authentic walk with Jesus it's always going to be messy. Um, if you hear someone telling you that their their walk with Jesus is great and they don't have those struggles anymore and it's just perfect, they're lying and it's not an authentic walk. They're not giving you the truth. Yeah. And so for me, um, looking back on, and this is the this is the hardest episode for me. So this is this is this is the hardest one we've done. Much harder than me telling the story about my dad and being called a ministry. This is the hard one because I'm going to kind of walk through. You know my my walk with Jesus post being called to ministry, which has been all in ministry. um, And there's a lot of screw ups and mistakes and mess ups along the way that is just very sad for me um, because you know there's this yearning in my heart to do better and to be better, and yet when I look back on it, uh, there's it's just a mess. Um, And I think that if we're going to really talk about what a walk with Christ looks like, if we're really going to be authentic then it's going to show a lot of bumps in the road and a lot of missteps and a lot of mistakes. And mistake is even too nice of a word. It's going to show a lot of just egregious, nasty, sinful behavior and thoughts. And I think it really will always be like that. I'm not saying that there's not improvement and I'm not saying that we're not running this race and perfecting and we're not you know, getting better at certain pieces and, and giving God um letting go and, and giving God authority in those areas that we start to grow in. There's definitely plenty of that over the last twenty years. But there's still a whole lot of areas where, you know, I'm still bound by uh sinfulness. And so I think yeah. it'll always be that way. Um the way we left off last episode was this call into ministry, um and being into full time ministry at 20 years old and the way that shook out was is um, after that stuff went down with my dad and I knew that God was calling me to do it and we were kind of changing our lives around Valerie got um, a job and of course you know, we were we were young and newly married she was fresh out of college and she got a job at a school for at risk boys in a Christian school for at risk boys in South Boston, Virginia and within a couple of months of her working there she really felt the Holy Spirit was there like she, she knew that's where she was supposed to be and within just a couple of months, I end up there um, substitute teaching for math and teaching some math classes and stuff because I was a science and math nerd prior. And uh, I, I was doing those things and within a very short time of, of coming there, I mean within just a couple of months, the senior leader of this place, the guy that started it, that planted he was a he was a licensed counselor, he was also a minister, um, and he had started this boarding school for at-risk boys. Within just a couple of months of that, um, he, just like my pastor when I was growing up, came to me and said, you're supposed to be in full-time ministry. I want you to be the chaplain of the school. And so within just a few months of being called to ministry with the situation that happened with my father, I was actually in full-time ministry. Um, and it was a cool place, man. I mean, we, I helped, we helped actually build a physical building for chapel. And so this is what's insane. Within just a few months of being called to ministry, as a 20-year-old punk kid with no education at this point within this field, um, I was preaching six days a week um, to these teenage boys. Six days, in the staff. Six days a week. We had chapel every single morning, and we had chapel on Saturday nights, not on Sunday, right, because Sundays were... Uh, family visitation time and stuff like that. So, I was preaching six days a week right off the bat out of out of nowhere.
0: For how long was that?
1: Oh my gosh, uh, two years. So it was like right off the bat, you're called into ministry and God's going, "Here you go. Here is your boot camp in the ministry." And so, like I was literally all of a sudden teaching. I'd never preached before in my life until I got through and in, thrown into that. Yeah. Um, and and you know, I figured it out. I would end up spending. I would end up spending like every single night, it would hit like 10 o'clock at night, and I'd start working on my message for the next morning, right? And so I'd go to bed at 12 or 1 o'clock in the morning, and then I would preach that thing at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock in the morning the next day, every single day. And it was just crazy. It was just just insane. And what's crazy about that season is there was this guy, you know, that he was my first mentor who believed in me. And I don't even know if he knew enough about me to believe in me. I think what he really believed in is was the Holy Spirit was saying this to him that God was leading him to it, and he just, you know, he just threw me into the situation. Um, And it was just a crazy. I learned more there than I have ever learned in anywhere else in my life. That was a two-year intense boot camp in ministry and people and leadership. And the guy was just a straight genius. But he had his struggles. He had his problems, um, and they were pretty significant. His walk with Jesus was quite messy, even though he was my mentor, and it it ended poorly. And so Hmm. we had been there a couple years, and it was Easter Sunday. Um, It's kind of crazy to even think about this being on Easter Sunday, but it was Easter Sunday. Valerie and I were home. Uh, We were off that day. I think we were painting our bathroom. Hmm. Um, And... We had moved and we had bought a house and moved very close to the school. And so it was, we were all in. We were, we were just completely in as young, young people. I mean, I might have been 22 years old by this point. And um, Easter Sunday, we get a phone call that says, the school is shut down, you have no jobs, come get your stuff. Um, and basically what happened is, is the the owner of the school had really walked down some bad paths and choices and um, did some very ungodly things that uh, his his walk with Jesus was quite messy and it exploded and it affected a lot of people and so this school um, just shut abruptly and this is a boarding school for at-risk boys, right? So it's not like you can just be like, well don't come to school tomorrow, they're stuck there. And most of them this was like a second chance opportunity for their scholastic life for their you know they they'd done stupid things with school and drugs and all this stuff and so they were getting back on their feet scholastically and they were going to go to college and they were taking college courses already with us and stuff like that and all of a sudden they're just gone it's just it's over with
0: there was no like hint that this would that happen we could kind of we
1: could see something coming we yeah. didn't think it would be this we knew he was struggling and we were trying to speak that into his life, you know, like I would want anybody to speak, and they have multiple times, we'll probably get into that in this episode, of you know, people speaking to my life when I'm walking through a bunch of mess, and he wasn't having it. So we had a kind of an indication that something was wrong, not to this level. Not 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 that everything was going to crash and that it was that bad. And there was some, what ended up happening later on is there were some fraud charges that were brought up and some other kind of stuff, and some of that was true, I think some of it wasn't, but um, it was just really bad. And so we all of a sudden had to figure out how to get these kids home, but not just home, how to get them, uh, transcripts and records and, um, get them to, cause Valerie was running the school portion of this and, and get them, uh, these kids that were going to graduate. Like they had kids that were about to graduate, you know, in just a month. And so we all pulled together and pulled off a of graduation and got them all settled, even though we weren't working there anymore. And it was just, it was just really bad. And, and just kind of watched his, um, the messiness catch up with him and several years later um he ended up actually killing himself and so you know my first mentor has imploded and ended up taking his life later on and that's how that first place kind of you know ended up and what's crazy is is that just god just keeps working through that mess no matter whether we cause it or somebody else causes it around us um we are sitting there at the house one day and we get a phone call after the school shut down, you know, a couple of months later and we're just trying to focus on, we were focused on getting those kids out of there. We're just trying to focus on jobs, right? This is way before financial peace university entered our lives. So we didn't have an emergency fund or anything like that. Yeah. But we needed to work and we were trying to figure that out. And I was calling the ministry. So now I'm trying to figure out how to be in ministry with another job. Cause God had just led me into this one. And so we're at the house one day, we get a phone call from Child Protective Services, from Department of Social Services, Child Protective Services, they wanna come interview us about whether or not the kids were abused and you know all these different allegations, which is crazy, right? So for us, we're thinking, well, no, we never saw anything, we never participated, it was just a wonderful, wonderful place to be, um, and we had great relationships with the students and all that stuff. So we, of course, say, yeah, and of course, we'll do whatever, answer whatever questions you got. So this dude shows up from Child Protective Services, never met him before. Comes into our house and starts to interview and us all these questions. And by the time this interview is over with, he's about to leave. And he stops at the door and he says, this may be completely out of inappropriate and I'm not supposed to do this. But we're looking for a youth pastor at our church and I think you'd be great for it. Wow, um, Which is crazy because the dude's literally asking me about child abuse. you know. And he ends up saying, I think you'd be great for this. And I just feel like wow. God's telling me to do it. And so I'm like, of course. And so I ended up interviewing at that church in Danville. And taking the position?
0: Did um, they ask you like, how'd you find out about this? Is <laughs> yeah, that a they question? Did. I was like, well, I don't think you want to know. Story. <laughs> I don't
1: think you want to know the answer to that. Um, Got but it. you know, I ended up taking that job, and so I was a youth pastor there. Valerie ended up going into more of the secular world during that season and into higher education, and um, I ended up there, and I was hired on as a youth pastor and that student ministry started to really grow. Like when we first got there, you know, it was four kids in the basement somewhere, and there was a there was a parsonage house that they wanted us to live in that the youth pastor and his family supposed to live in, and me and I were like, no, we are not living next door to this church. Um, that's not happening, so how about we turn that house into the space for the teenagers? Because right now you got them in a the stinky basement and it's horrible. Let's turn that house into this spot for teenagers. And so it, it worked. We took this house. We called it the Fish House, right? And not like you know, selling mackerel or something. It was the Christian fish symbol, right? We called it the Fish House. Matter of fact, people all the time would to top of the door, knock on the door, and be like, "What kind of fish y'all got today? You got any deals on catfish?" <laughs> I was like, I was "No, about to ask. <laughs> no, it's kind of the Jesus Christian fish symbol. Can't you see the sign?" Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah. um, we called it the Fish House, and so we started running all that stuff on Friday nights, right? Because there was nothing going on in our town for teenagers, and I was a young, young man who was still, you know, it wasn't very far removed from their age to begin with. So we were like, let's run this thing on Friday nights. So we started running, the house was open on Friday nights, it was couches and hangouts, free pizza, free drinks, free food all the time. And we'll turn it into a place for them to hang out and then we'll end the night with sort of a devotion and the kids that are uncomfortable, the ones that don't know, because we're trying to reach kids that don't know Jesus. The ones that didn't know Jesus, they didn't want to participate in the end of it, they could leave at that point or they could stay. It's funny is, is they never left. They always stayed, no That's matter how cool. much they hated God, you know, or they said they did. Wow. So we ran middle school from six o'clock to eight o'clock. We had a break in between. We ran high school from nine o'clock to 11 o'clock every Friday night for like five years. Wow. Um, and Valerie and I didn't have any kids at the time. You know, I was just full in. I was just working constantly. So I got brought in as a youth pastor. We started doing that. And then at some point I uh, ended up Going through the process in this denomination to end up being the associate pastor, but I was still focused on youth, and I was working constantly all the time, and there was just a lot of arguments and infighting in church board and committee meetings that was just brutal that I just had no bear, no no basis for. I, I didn't I didn't see that coming, you know. I, I didn't have any experience with any of that, right? And so, people sitting around fighting and arguing all the time about what color to paint the walls when people are dying and go to hell just seems uh, ridiculous to me. It seems idiotic. And so there was just this constant arguing and infighting and um, these meetings that would last until 10, 11 o'clock at night. And it was just brutal. And I was also working all the time. And during that season, um, I started making some serious mistakes in my walk with Jesus and in my family you know, me and my marriage and my personal life, with all those working all the time and then being overwhelmed with all these meetings and stuff like that, I started to 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 commit more of what I think is a sin that I do all the time is procrastination. And so the way this kind of came about, because um, what we're talking about right now is my hot mess of 20 years of ministry career, right? But yeah. um, what happened was is I started to kind of procrastinate, and the way Valerie and I handled things personally back then with our personal finances is she would do the bills for a while, and then she would hand me the checkbook, and the bills would be like, I'm tired of doing this, you do it. And so then I would handle them for a while, and I'd be like, I'm sick of this, I'd hand them back. And so she had handed them back to me, and during this season of arguing and fighting and then working constantly, being completely focused on growing the student ministry, I started to fall behind on our personal bills. And it would just be procrastination to be like, oh, I'll deal with that tomorrow, I'll deal with that tomorrow. And then it would be like, oh, crap, I didn't pay the bills last month. And so I'd sit down and I'd scramble and I'd figure out how to pay them. And then the next month would come along and I'd be behind again and just gradually get more and more behind. And then one day, um, a note showed up in the mail. And so back in the day, some of you guys will remember that. Listen, some of you are young, you won't know what I'm talking about. But back in the day when you bounced a check, you would get a letter or a card in the mail Right, because nothing was electronic. You get a letter or a card in the mail. That said, you know, you overdrafted. You you bounced your check. One day we're at the house, and we check the mail, and there's a card in there that says I've overdrafted the account. And Valerie's like, "What is this?" And it was like one of those moments where everything slows down, and you can you can feel you can palpate the Holy Spirit going, "Here's your chance, right? Here's your opportunity. Here's the moment." You can feel it almost slow down, and you've got these two choices. You can tell the truth right now. You can ask for help. You can admit to being overwhelmed and imperfect and screwing up, or you can lie. And here's your opportunity, and it was almost like the Holy Spirit was going. I I could just feel the whole thing slowing down. Here you go, son. Just tell the truth. Just ask for help. Just come with it. And I picked a lie. And I told her in the moment, I was like, oh, it must be a problem at the bank, I'll check on it. I knew the whole time that it was no problem at the bank, it was me. And that just snowballed into, you know, if you lie, one lie turns into another, turns into another. And so it happened again, and, and what ended up happening over time is it wasn't just me saying, oh, I don't know, it must be a mistake. It turned into, oh, yeah, it is a mistake. I talked to Sally at the bank at such and such branch, and she's fixed it when Sally never existed and I never talked to him in the first place. Um, And it was just a season with all that pressure of ministry, but then me not wanting to ask for help. And I really do, if I can pause right now, I really do think that that has been my key misstep constantly in my walk with Jesus in this life. My key misstep constantly, where I find myself getting into trouble, where I find myself screwing up, is not asking for help. Not wanting anybody to know that I can't do it right. This perfectionism coming up, and it's not, you know, perfectionism is I gotta do it exactly right. But the bad side of perfectionism is too, is if I can't do it exactly right, if I am screwing up, I just have to pretend that I'm doing it right so nobody knows that I didn't do it right. And we're talking about asking for help. This wasn't me asking for help from some random person. This was, I wasn't willing to tell my wife, you know, that I was struggling, that it was a bad, tough season. And Things in the church continued to get kind of crazy. Um, as I became the associate pastor, there became to be this this almost split that happened between me and the senior pastor and the church starting to sort of take sides. And there was this moment where I told Valerie, I was like, I gotta go, we, we gotta get out of here. The church is starting to split, we don't want that to happen. And so um, I started looking for another job uh, in a ministry, of course, at another church, and it was just time to go, and it was heartbreaking because I didn't want to go. I didn't think it was the right timing, but I just didn't see any way out of it. And you got to remember too, this 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 lack of help that I didn't get for myself, and these lies—they're still hanging out. And Valerie doesn't know the truth yet, and so I um, interview at this other church, and I take the position. And Valerie is pregnant with our first child. Um, she's pretty far along. She's like seven months pregnant. Swole out pregnant is what I call it, right? She looked like she was about 24 months pregnant. And um, <laughs> and and she figures it out. She figures out that I've been lying to her mm-hmm. repeatedly. Um, and it was just this horrible moment that I created for myself, um, even as a pastor, even as somebody who was in ministry, even somebody who's been a Christian since I was, you know, eight years old I had you know made massive screw-ups and sinfulness and just a lot about it and didn't want to tell anybody I need help and of course Valerie ends up showing me um, grace and I think that she actually and she's done this multiple times in our marriage she's shown me she has been the person who has personified grace to me more than any other human being in the world um, other than the grace straight from Jesus she's been the one that showed me what that really looks like in person and so I start off at this new church with all this hurt from the last church, this feeling like it wasn't the right time to go, and this big pile of mess that I had created in my own life and broken trust in my marriage, um, and created this kind of false sense of Adam's got it all together, right? This 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 not authentic messy walk with Jesus, this false idea of um, I got it all together. And that's how I start off that ministry at the new church. and. I didn't want them to know that, right? I didn't want them to know, oh, we just hired this broken guy. But we were walking through all that. Um, And it was rough, you know, because I took all that into where I was going, whether or not I told anybody or not, I was still taking it. That's the thing we talk about with this whole walk with Jesus. You've got to be authentic with it because it's going with you regardless. And so if you're not authentic with it with God or you're not authentic with it with others, it doesn't change the fact that it's still there. You're still this hot mess who cannot get everything right, and you do screw up and you do need help. And you, you've got to be honest with it because it's not changing just by ignoring it or lying about it and covering it up. And I think with, with Christians, that's why we've got to have conversations like these because it's happening regardless you know it's like it's like saying the truth is the truth whether or not you say it is or not it's still there and the stuff that's under the surface it's still there and still going with you to the next place you go the next season the next person whatever it may be whether or not you acknowledge it and so God knows that and he's constantly pushing us to be real and authentic with him so we just got to do it And so you know everything that church started going really well and after a while, but I was still broken. I mean, we were going to counseling and all kinds of stuff. I wasn't telling anybody that stuff, and it took a while to get settled in. And then when I was there, um, there was a progression of I went on as I went on board as a youth pastor, and this was a non-denominational church, very similar to the church that we planted at Union. So it was a modern non-denominational church that was very different than anything I had been a part of before. Um, the the ministry at the school was an ecumenical ministry, meaning that it sort of Um, encompassed multiple christian denominations um and then the the church before that was a denomination it was the united methodist church and this one was a non-denominational modern church and so it was very much focused on uh jesus and using the modern culture around us um you know and it was just really cool And, and i i um i saw a lot of growth there personally um Student ministry started to grow when I came on board, and then God started kind of moving me into different positions, and which was crazy because I had told Valerie for my whole life I was like, I only want to work with young people, I don't ever want to work with old people, um, you know, <laughs> I want to work with teenagers. That's what I want to do. I'm never changing my mind. That's the deal. And after being there for a while and working with teenagers, all of a sudden I was presented with this opportunity at that church to move into a different role, and I took it. And Valerie was like, why did you take this? You always said you wanna work with students. I was like, I don't know. And so there was a couple different kinda roles that I took in my tenure there, that every time I did it, I felt like God was just building something for the future. Like he was giving me experience um, and placing me into situations and leadership positions that I was gonna need later. I didn't know why, um, but that's what was gonna happen. And then towards the end of that tenure there, which was about five years or so, um, things got messy again. Um, I was doing some things that I shouldn't have been doing um, behind the scenes, I was, you know, I, I was continuing to hide some things from my wife like I was before, and um, uh, and there was some infighting, some things that were happening, and, and my leader there, we just weren't, we were weren't on the same page. Um, and I ended up, I ended up being let go. And that to me was like the third straw. Like it was like, I'm done with this. And so I told Valerie, I was like, I am done with church. I'm not done with God, but I am done with church. And there was this church hurt. And I I think that everybody that's listening right now, anybody that would listen to this later, if you are a Christian, you are going to experience some church hurt. It's going to happen because the church is made up of us. And we are walking a messy walk. And so the church is, of course it is, the bride of Jesus. And he's the one building it. But he's still building it right now with us, who are a bunch of people that have messy, messy walks with Jesus. And if you put those messy walks together, guess what? You've got a great, big, humongous mess with Jesus. And so people are going to hurt us in the church. And I had a lot of church hurt. And I was just kind of, I was just done, man. I, I wasn't done with Jesus. I wasn't done with God. But I was done with his church. And that does not work. Um, it just does not work. You cannot, you cannot be for Christ and be against His church. Like, you cannot love Jesus and hate His bride. I mean, if you if you love me and hate my wife, we ain't gonna be friends, you know. So, you cannot do that. And you know, I know people say, you know, you, you don't have to go to church to be connected to God to worship God. And and of course that's true, right? Our whole lives are worship. Of course that's the truth. But you are still the church. You are the church, and so you cannot hate the institutional church you cannot hate the bride of christ and love jesus it does not work that way mm. and the first step i experienced this personally in my life and i've been teaching every step ever since the first step away from god is a step away from the people of god your very first step away from god that'll start to make a a big gap in your relationship with god for pull you away from god is when you step away from his people when you step away from his church um because you know that is that first initial step of I'm pulling. This is what happened for me. I'm pulling back from the people of God, and then you know I can't hate. I can't hate His Bride and love Him. It don't work that way. I am His Church. We are His Church, and so those things are those things are inexplicably connected. Right? I mean, you cannot you cannot have Christ without the Church that He has saved and redeemed. They go together, and you know otherwise you're you're denigrating His entire purpose. I mean, his purpose is to seek and save the lost. He is building his church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. That sounds to me like he's pretty committed to his church. And so we can't we can't go away from it. So I, the only thing I can say is the same thing I had to do. If you've had struggles with church hurt and church problems, you've got to get over it at some point um, because he's not going to allow you not to be a part of his holy church if you've been saved by him. And so... I was done, man. I was done, done, done. And I was not leading my family. We were not going to church during this season. This was the, It was about a year-long season of me saying I'm done with church completely. And that's the first time in my life where that was the case. That's the, it was the first time in my adult life where I was not full-time employed within God's church somehow or another. And I was just completely done with it. It was a brutal season of somebody who supposedly called, and called in this like wild, crazy way we talked about in episode three, right? This this insane calling that was undeniable. It was me walking away from it completely. And during that season, I was not open to the Holy Spirit talking to me at all. I was not open to God talking to me about any of this stuff. Um, And so he started to drive Valerie crazy to get me to actually open up and talk to him. So she was constantly pushing me to we should be in church our family should be in church you're supposed to be in ministry we're in ministry together we're a family in ministry because the calling on the of ministry is not on one person It is on the family yeah right it's a family calling and we, we got to do this she's kept on pushing pushing i just wouldn't do anything about it and I, I, we had at this time we had one child who was four or five years old and she was asking about going to church and stuff like that and i just push it all off um it was this it was this year-long season where I was working at a nonprofit, helping to raise money, but I was outside of the church. It was this weird, year-long season of, I would call, straight up rebellion on my part. Just walking away from it completely and being like, I don't care if you called me, and I don't care how loud the calling was, it ain't worth it, and I ain't doing it. And about a year into that mess, we had our second child, um, and Aiden, our son, was Just maybe a month or two old at the most. I think he was about a month old. And Valerie asked me to go to breakfast with her. And so we got this brand new baby and we go to IHOP in Danville. Funny story about IHOP, if I can, and I think I can because I'm the only one on the microphone. (laughs) Uh, Funny story about IHOP. When I was a youth pastor, we used to always go to IHOP when they would have the all you could eat pancakes because them young bucks would be like, Adam, I can eat more pancakes than you. And I'd be like, Oh, contraire, mon frere. don't even go there. I will destroy you in a pancake-eating contest. <laughs> and so we would roll in there, and so one day we're at this IHOP, same IHOP I was talking about, and we walk in, and we're sitting there waiting, and there's people everywhere waiting for a spot because it's all-you-can-eat pancake Tuesday or whatever it was. So I got these teenage boys with me. We were getting ready to destroy them and hurt them on this idea of you can – Eat all the pancakes you want. And this little kid is sitting there begging his mama. He's like, he's messing with his mama. He's pulling on her shirt. Mama, 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 He just keeps on saying, mama, mom, mama. And finally the mama's like, which does what everybody does at this point, like, what? And he goes, what does IHOP stand for? And I'm sitting there watching, and the teenage boys are watching, and then she just kind of just looks at him and goes, it stands for Isaac Hopkins. It's the guy that founded IHOP. And we all are looking at each other like, <laughs> What did she just say to this boy? This and then is. we look around, and of course, IHOP is all over the place in this restaurant, and you see International House of Pancakes everywhere. And it was just funny. So yeah. now we still call it Isaac Hopkins Ob- constantly, Isaac right, right, all the time. <laughs> so we're in Isaac Hopkins. Yes. Um, IHOP. And Valerie, we sit down to eat breakfast. We've got this brand new baby with us. And Valerie says, I know you don't want to talk about this. This is the, how she tricked me, is what I think. She tricked me into this, talking about this. She says, I know you won't talk about it, but if you did, go back into ministry. If you started a church from scratch, what would it look like? And she tricked me and she got me talking about it. And so all this stuff just started spewing out. And it was rough at first. You know, it was, well, if I started a church, it wouldn't look like this and we wouldn't treat people like this and we wouldn't do this, you know, and all these kind of hurts and problems and struggles that I'd had. Of course, that I'm blaming on everybody else when. You just heard me talk about the story. There was a whole lot of missteps along the way that were my fault. A lot of it. Um, there was a lot of a lot of times where I should have been honest about what I was struggling with, period, in multiple levels that I didn't. Um, and so I started answering the question, we started talking more and we kept talking about it and talking about it and then we ate breakfast and then we ate lunch and I hop, we never got out of the seat and and then we keep talking about it and talking about it some more of this idea of planting a church. And then we had dinner at IHOP. We never left. We ate all three meals. And by the time we wrapped up dinner, wiped our mouths, we had decided that we were going to jump off the cliff. That's the moment. I call that the jump off the cliff moment, that we were going to jump off the cliff. We were going to trust him, even though um, I felt like a total, complete failure. And I felt like that my messy walk was unusable, um, that I was too far gone, or that I had waited too long from the original excitement and energy and what I felt was a little more purity in my walk hmm. when I was younger and that original call that I had waited too long and all that was gone that's what I felt like and it was that moment where we jumped off the cliff and said you know what we're going to jump out of the nest and if God's God and if he's really if he's really behind all this and he's the one building his church and he really does use messy people and he really can come back to Peter at the end and say, "I'm, I'm still here." Hmm. Then we're going to jump out of the nest, and he's going to teach us how to fly before we hit the ground. And we left there that day, saying, all right, we're going to do this. We're going to plant a church." And we started talking to a couple different people. It's funny how all the stuff comes up. All the people that I asked to start the church with me were the same people that I would have—I've always thought I would ask to start a church with me if we started. And uh, all of them said yes, except for one couple. And three weeks later, we met for the very first time um, as a church. Wow. And that's the start of Union Church. Um, But all that mess comes back out of God still working through the mess that we've created, the mess that's caused to us, the mess of a fallen world, and then sometimes God getting your attention. He works through all that stuff, and what we knew we wanted to do. We didn't know what the church was going to look like. We didn't have any clue what we were really going to get into. Matter of fact, after we were at about 50 people, I told the 50 people, all right, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. That's all I got. Um, all my strategy has gone now. I don't know what to do. We knew from the beginning that we wanted to be um, as real and as authentic as we could be because I really do feel like now that that's the only way um, – that God wants us to be. And even if it's ugly, and even if it's messy, we he knows it already, so we can be real with him. And if we can be real with him, then why can't we be real with other people? And so we knew from the get-go that's where we're going to do it. And this episode right here, this was probably going to be the longest one. I can almost guarantee it. And this one's hard for me, man. It is hard. Because I look back on what I see as a whole bunch of failure and a whole bunch of not asking for help and yet and yet I know that that's what God wants us to lean into is he knows that we struggle he knows that the common human experience of pain and issues and struggles he knows the common human experience of loneliness and all those pieces he knows it all and he is good enough and big enough to use it in a profound way, but He will use it in the most profound way possible when we are honest and open with with it, without Him having to pull it out of us all the time, you know, and push us and move us into situations to get us to open up and say, "Yes, I am a mess." If we can just kind of lead with that mess, then there's no telling what He'll do. It's it's an amazing thing that happens, and I think it can happen in the life of every single believer. No matter whether you're going to be a church planter or a pastor or whatever or you're going to be a small group leader or you're going to work with teenagers or kids or you're going to be the person that cleans up around the church, I don't care who it is, what that calling is, he will use it in a major way if you'll just be open and honest with the fact that we live in a fallen world, it is a struggle every single day and you don't have to be perfect and you can ask for help. This one's hard when I look back on and I think about all that mess. Because the sinful side of me, even in this moment right now, wants to say, man, you screwed up. You're a failure. And then the sinful side of me also at the same time wants to say, why are you recording this right now? Why would you ever say this to anybody? Let's just act like everything's good, (laughs) you know. Uh, But it's not. And that whole mess led us to planting the church. Um, Union Church will turn nine years old in uh, a week. Um, and you 40 yes and I 40 no not a week in a couple of days wow. that, that planting moment that very first meeting um, the the will be on February the 13th um, that'll be the nine year mark and I have seen God do more than I could have ever imagined with now an openness to actually be real about it and lay it out there you know to say it to, to speak it to to lead with the struggles, not hide them and cover them up. So it's a it's a brutal this is a brutal episode. I'm glad that it's over. <laughs> and I don't think I said it right near as many times as I was saying before I'm just
0: um, kidding, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, yeah, you almost had me in tears there. Dang. Yeah, wow. Thank you for sharing.
1: Yeah, thank you guys for listening, all seven of you. We appreciate you. <laughs> and we'll see you on the next We'll, one.
0: S- we'll send y'all's paycheck soon. That's right. Be waiting in the mail. We'll send it soon. We'll see y'all. We have uh, episodes coming out every Wednesday. Um, uh, proceeding from now, uh, make sure to subscribe or follow. I don't know where Whichever you're going to be listening has, to on right. this, but make sure to be ready for every new episode that we'll be coming out with.
1: Appreciate you guys. Thank you. See ya.
0: Thanks for joining us on the Messy Walk podcast with Pastor Adam Cook. Make sure to follow us for future episodes that will be posted regularly each Wednesday. Have a great week.